morning. Welcome to LSAT Kung Fu from Velocity LSAT. My name is Dave Hall. I am here this morning with Melissa Miller, the lovely, the talented, the intelligent, and yet the uninitiated to the LSAT. And what we're going to do is this is the beginning of a new experiment for the podcast. I'm going to teach Melissa the LSAT, and I'm going to do it over the course of this podcast. At least I'm going to do it for the logical reasoning. Uh, we may get bold and try to do some reading comprehension. Hold on to your underwear there. Um, I don't know if games will work, you know, for sort of obvious visual reasons, but we may try some of that. But I feel like it's going to work pretty well for the logical reasoning. And to do that, we are going to start with Prep Test 29. And I chose that. Oh, I introduced her, but didn't give her a chance to say hello because I'm a dick. Melissa, would you like to say hello? Hello. I'm so sorry. That was rude of me. Um, prep test 29, because I think just generally speaking, the best prep is the prep that comes from, you know, like this millennium. And while this test 29 actually comes from 1999, for those of you keeping score at home, uh, it's also the first test in that very cleverly named The Next 10 Actual Official LSAT Prep Tests Binding from LSAC. And so it seems like a sort of straightforward place to begin. We had to start somewhere. So we will start there, and we will start in section one, and we will start with question one. And if you don't have it in front of you, don't worry about that. We will um, kind of uh, summarize each of these passages. And so you should be able to follow along even without the text in front of you. If you do have it in front of you, Awesome. Pull that out now. That's what she said. All right. So we'll start with question number one, which the following is the point at issue between the politician and the smoker. This is what I refer to as the point of disagreement or the point of agreement question. Uh, used to, back at, at, at the time of this printing in like 99 and all the way up until the last sort of three or four years, you really almost exclusively got the question about where they disagreed. But over the last couple of years, we've started to see almost just as many questions asking about something that they were committed to agreeing about. So, you know, trivia. So, Melissa, um, we'll start here. In order to talk about what they disagree about, it's important to understand what it is they say. Um, from your reading of the politician's argument, what is the politician's main deal? Like, what's she after? Uh, an increase in taxes on cigarettes to help cover the costs of health problems that result from smoking. Right. We should raise taxes. And we should raise it on cigarettes because they're the ones that are causing the problem. To which the smoker says... Oh, he's in disagreement saying that uh, while smoking may be a cause, the eating fatty foods and high cholesterol foods also cause health problems. And so he shouldn't have to bear the financial burden yeah. of those as well. Yeah, and Sorry. notice that the smoker does something really common on this test. He argues by analogy. Like, the politician is talking about cigarette smokers, and suddenly the smoker brings up fast food eaters. And what do they have to do with smoking? I mean, nothing. And the smoker never gives us any evidence that they do have anything at all to do with the topic at hand. He just brings them up out of nowhere. That's in, in the parlance of the logician, that is bad to do. And that doesn't have anything to do with answering this question particularly necessarily, but it's worth pointing out. All right, so the question is asked something that they disagree about. And so 
here's something. If I were to just ask you, Melissa, what do they disagree about? What would you say? What is causing the unhealthy, uh, the health problems? That's what they disagree about. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, that that's certainly plausible. Uh, let's see. I mean, it's whether or not they should bear the cost, I suppose. Right. Yeah, that to me, and I want to go back to that question of what's causing the health problems because certainly the politician makes a claim about it. it's well established that cigarette smoking causes these health problems that's what she says um, and the smoker the smoker though doesn't if you if you look carefully doesn't disagree with that claim uh, in the smokers first sentence the foods cause as many health problems as does smoking so the smoker really isn't disputing the question of what's causing the health problems. What he is disputing is, as you said, who should pay for it. Um, and that's where I want to start. Uh, you know, we've been asked about what they disagree about, and what they disagree about is who should pay for it. So I'd be, I would begin my approach to the answer choices by looking for something that says that, you know, that they disagree about who should pay for it. Um, and I'll let you take a look, Melissa, at the answer choices and you guys at home. Okay, so among these answer choices, did you see an answer that clearly said they disagree about uh, who should fund the campaign, the anti-smoking campaign? Who should pay for it? Mm, I think D, right? It's unreasonable to require people. Okay, so let's talk about D. Um, do they disagree about... Well, I'll, actually, I want to back up a little bit because you're kind of giving me what you think might the answer might be. Um, but notice that that's kind of a different question from the one that I asked, which is, do we see something that clearly says they disagree about who should pay for the campaign? I don't know that we do. I don't know that we necessarily get an answer that clearly states what they disagree about in the way that a normal human being, like you or me, um, in the way that a normal human would say it. I don't think we got that. Um, and so, and, and I think this is what's so useful about this, is that you are doing the, it's not unintelligent, it's just uninitiated the untutored thing, which is to then start grasping for a straw, you know, for something that might kind of look like what we know the answer really is. And that's something that we can correct for you and for everybody. Um, I don't see anything here that looks exactly like my answer. And so that means that they have picked something else about which the politician and the smoker disagree. And so we'll go ahead and talk about answer choice D because you brought it up whether or not it's unreasonable to require people. And here's what we want to do. We want to get very specific about what we know that the politician says and what we know that the smoker says. It has to be something that we can prove based on just the evidence of this passage that they disagree about. So ask yourself this question. For answer choice D, does the politician say that it is unreasonable to require people who do not benefit from certain governmental programs to share the cost of those programs. And I have just a question mark there. Like, if in as much as the politician talks about government programs, she's talking about programs aimed at smokers, so I guess they would benefit. It's not clear to me that she makes any statement about who would or wouldn't benefit from government programs. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. 
And if I can't say, yes, she definitely believes this, then I can't say that they definitely disagree about this. Does that seem clear? I think so. So, oh, that sounded tentative. That's because I feel like you address the politician, but not the smoker. And so if the point at issue is between the two of them, then you said why D doesn't work for the politician, but not for the smoker. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the thing is, if I can't prove that the politician feels one way or another about it, then it really doesn't matter what the smoker thinks. Mm, like gotcha. the smoker might be completely in support of the idea or, you know, might be completely against the idea. And I might be able to prove that definitively. But if I can't prove that the politician takes a strong stance. We both have deaf feelings about then, it. Yeah. Then okay. I don't know that they disagree. Okay. Sensible? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, was there another... You said... Was there another answer choice you were looking at? Uh, well, I mean, when we were just talking about the financial aspect, I said A and E sort of. Okay. Talk about that, but I yeah, like. Yeah, so let's talk about let's talk about that. Let's we'll start with E. Oh, I cut you off. Well, I was just gonna suggest where we start. So <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> All right. So for answer choice E, whether the proposed increase on cigarette taxes is an efficient means, and you're you're well, they just your head. don't even address whether it's efficient or not. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So we just don't know whether or not they disagree about that because I don't know whether either one of them thinks it's efficient. Okay. So we like A because Okay, so yeah, let's yeah, let's talk about A then. You like A. Tell me why you like A. Well, I guess the that the politician thinks it's completely reasonable for them to present a tax based on the reasons listed. And how, how and the do you smoker... know that she thinks it's reasonable? You're right. Let me give you the courage of your conviction. Okay. But let's talk about the evidence. Like, it, because this is cool. This is something that always happens um, for, for readers implicitly, is we get the feeling about something, and if we've read well, our feeling is based on evidence, but we may not be able to point to that evidence immediately. We just know that that's what we saw, that's what we read. If we haven't read well, we may have this feeling about something that isn't based on any evidence. And so I never want to base an answer just on what you feel about the passage or what you took away from the passage. I want to base that answer on, you know, what the passage actually said. And you have the right feeling because you're a good reader. And let's then make it our practice to identify explicitly whatever was implicit in giving us the feeling that it was, you know, reasonable. And what were you going to say? Well, I think because she says it's only reasonable. Right. <laughs> right? I mean, and yet that's what it is. You know, the, the evidence has to be here. And guys, synonyms are fine. She could use the word proper or... Uh, now I can't think of a synonym for reasonable because I'm not good at words. But, <laughs> it just uh, makes sense. A synonym would fine. Yeah, she could say it makes sense. Thank you. See that one? Logical? Hard. It's only logical. Oh, now you're just being hurtful. I'm just now, just take over. Um, well, it's been fun. And how do we? Okay, so we obviously know that the politician thinks that A is false. It's not unreasonable. This is ridiculous. Well, the smoker says it is unreasonable. It is in his argument. Manifestly unreasonable. Yeah. And that's what we're looking for. And again, synonyms are fine, but we need that direct textual evidence. All right. So. Do to put a pin in this. Do you understand what the question was asking us? Yeah. I and do. why the right answer was right, mm -hmm. and why those wrong answers were wrong. 
Yeah. I feel like I need to say that I initially was drawn to A when I read through. Like, that was what I wanted to go to. Uh But then when I started to think too hard about it, which makes me nervous, which is why I think it's good to have an approach, because... I started to get nervous and second guess everything. So, <laughs> yeah. but when we talk about A, it just seems like, how did I even? Because it seems go like to kind of, sometimes it can seem like common sense, and that's again coming from that implicit place of I understood what I read, and that's great. That's awesome, you know, and it's a useful tool. The problem is going to come when we get into questions that are more difficult and don't aren't as easily susceptible to the. A body of common sense you know and then and then you really need a technique and an approach and and I'm really glad you said that because I'm not trying to make the work harder for you you know uh, and in some cases like having an approach might seem to do that in the same way that like if I give you a hammer it's an incredibly useful tool when you want to drive in a nail but if you just wanted to put in a photograph in a corkboard with a thumbtack and I was trying to make you do it with a hammer, that would be stupid. You don't need a hammer for a thumbtack. It would be way easier to just push it in. I'm not trying to stop anybody from just pushing it in. That's what she said. I I want you to be allowed. You want to laugh. That's okay. No, you, I don't. Uh, I think you should be allowed to use all the tools at your disposal. Um, but I also want you to have a mechanism for uh, getting questions right when those other sort of natural or common sense tools fail you. All right. So question number two, the smoker's response to the politician's argument. This is what I refer to in our course as a method question. because It's asking us, how does the smoker respond? And I know it's not clear from the text of the question itself. But as you look at answer choices, you know, the answer choices are going to purport to show the way in which, the manner by which the smoker responds, what is the method of her reasoning. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll do this again in the same way. Um, how did the smoker respond? Uh, I think acknowledging that's, or n- not disagreeing that smoking causes health problems, but really placing more emphasis on an alternative, you know, reason why there are health concerns. Like, it's not just us. It's also these people, sort of. So maybe like a counter argument or an alternative to smoking. Yeah, and I'd go back to that idea of the analogy. You know, we talked about this at the beginning, and I didn't think it necessarily had anything to do with answering question number one, but it looks like it is going to be helpful in answering question number two. Um, The smoker starts talking about fast food and doesn't have anything to do with smoking. Like, she just brings up this other concept that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with it. Um, And... Being able to identify, and, and the, th- the reason that I made a thing of that is because it's super common. And being able to identify a common technique of reasoning, a common method of reasoning, just makes our answering the question a little faster, you know. Or it can. I mean, so if I'm answering this question, I have an immediate response. Like, she uses an analogy, you know. And again, like, synonyms are fine. I mean, you might use the word example. She makes an example, uses a, 
another example of fast food. Um, so that's what I'm looking for as I look into answer choices. So why don't you take a look at those answer choices and tell me if you tell me what you see there. If you see anything that clearly identifies, you know, like the analogy that she used. Well, counterexample in A. Right. And so then you can ask yourself, okay, did she do this? Did the smoker offer a counterexample? Yes. I mean, I can tell you what the example was. It was fast food, the fat, fat, fatties who eat the fast food. Um, does that counterexample uh, call into question the politician's reasoning? And the answer is, again, yes. You know, that's the whole point of it, to say that your reasoning is wrong in the case of smoking, because it would be wrong in the case of fast food. Now, it's not a strong argument. In order to make that argument work, the smoker would additionally need to then say, and the rules that apply to fast food eating also are the same rules that apply to smokers and smoking. She never does that. She never establishes that the two things are, in fact, analogous. Was there any other answer choice that we wanted to look at, that you wanted to look at there? Mm, I would say perhaps D. D? And then I think I just like A. So yeah, let's talk about D. Um, because that seems like a reasonable thing to do. And yet it is almost never, almost never has been, almost never will be the answer to the question. Uh, in order for D to happen, what you'd have to have is the smoker actually countering the politician's evidence. So the politician doesn't offer that much by way of evidence, right? Smoking causes many serious health problems. There's a piece of evidence. Um, the smoker doesn't say it doesn't cause health problems. The smoker, so, you know, and that's the only kind of information that the, that the politician offers, right? I mean, the politician starts with that bit of information and from that makes the claim that people should bear, you know, people who's caused the health problems should bear the cost of those health problems. So the only bit of information we have is that smoking causes the problem and the smoker doesn't to disagree with that, right? I mean, she doesn't say smoking doesn't really cause. And that's what you'd have to have in order for entry D to be correct. And it will almost never be the answer because these people just don't do that. Like it's, and I think it's there because it's kind of natural for us. Like when we're in an argument, uh, you know, the thing you always want to say is, no, -uh, that's not true. And we will never say that here. The question will never be whether or not the evidence is true. It will never be whether or not the evidence is true. The question will always be whether or not the evidence is enough to prove the conclusion. And that's what the smokers attacking here. You know, whether or not the smokers have caused their own health problems is beside the point. The real point is who should pay for it. Uh, clear? Mm -hmm. Good. All right. Excellent. Then let's move right along and take a look at question number three. Each of the following, if true, strengthens the argument except. Fairly straightforward question, um, but I'll ask you, what do you think the answer is going to do? Uh, it's going to weaken the... Ah, ha, you walked right into my trap. Um, no, it's not. I mean, it might. It might. But um, I set you up, which was, again, kind of a dick move, but I did it with a purpose in mind because it seems natural to think that the right answer is going to weaken the argument. 
but it really doesn't have to. What, what has to happen is that four of these answer choices will strengthen the argument. Four of them will make it better, and then one of them just won't. So, I mean, the right answer here could say banana, banana, and it would be the right answer without doing anything at all to the argument. Uh, so do not go into this question looking for something that hurts the argument because while the right answer certainly could do that, it totally could, and sometimes it will, and it may even, may even hurt the argument in this instance here. It doesn't have to hurt in order to be right. Uh, all right, so let's read the argument, and then we will talk about it. So we're just looking for four things that prove it. Ooh, again. Isn't this nice to be learning the LSAT together? It's so nice. I love all the things. I can things. tell how much fun you're having. I could rather be. Um, four things that will make the argument better. None of these four answer choices will necessarily prove that the conclusion is true. And it's a really important distinction because um, if, if I want to make the argument better, I could offer something that just makes it a little more likely you know, but falls far short of proof and still is a strengthening response. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. um, all right, so what is the argument trying to prove? Let's start there. The argument of the passage uh -huh. is trying to prove that we should use more gasohol. Yeah, why should we use more gasohol? Uh, it just seems generally better. Mostly it seems to be for, the envir for environmental reasons. Yeah, it has a higher octane rating, which we all know is super important. I have no idea what that means. Uh, it has fewer carbon monoxide emissions. I, I do it, know what that means. I know we don't want carbon monoxide. What do you know about oh, octane? I don't. I thought it just oh, thought helped it better. burn more efficiently or something. Oh, yeah? The more octane? I don't know. The more octane, the better. Bring <laughs> on the octane. high octane. Um, and burning gasohol doesn't add any more carbon dioxide than the plants are able to remove. This... Um, is an example of what I'll refer to as a false choice. And it might help to imagine uh, a, a, uh, an analogous argument. So I can make exactly the same structural argument by saying, you know what, Melissa, I've been thinking about it a lot, and garbage trucks, way better than cars. After all, garbage trucks are painted bright green. Garbage trucks, unlike cars, have a mechanism for lifting and then dumping garbage cans. Garbage trucks have an array of cool lights all around the top. Cars don't have that. Garbage trucks win. And notice that that's the same argument. You know, just because I point out some, uh, two things, two things happened. One, I pointed out an advantage, I mean, or possibly an advantage that garbage trucks have the the mechanical arm that can lift the garbage cans i don't know if we even want that from a car i don't know if that would make a car more attractive i yeah, think I it would say. i mean it seems kind of cool because you, you don't have to use it for just trash cans you know like anything you wanted to pick up so one way in which the the garbage truck is better than the cars and then two ways in which i don't even know that it's better than cars like i said that the garbage truck is painted bright green I didn't say that cars aren't, so I don't even know if that's really an advantage. I said that garbage trucks, I don't remember what another, oh, the cool lights on top. Oh yeah, I did say that cars don't have those. And I want you to notice that about this. Same argument here. We have shown that uh, gasohol has the higher octane than cars, 
and less carbon monoxide than gas than cars than gasoline. Gasohol has higher octane than gasoline. Gasohol has less carbon monoxide than gasoline. But then that last one, burning gasohol, doesn't release any more CO2 than the plants can absorb. I don't know whether or not that's an advantage over mm. gasoline. Nobody's mm -hmm. told me. Second, while you have told me that there are advantages over gasoline, you have not told me whether or not there are any disadvantages. And this whole system of operation is what I refer to as a false choice. This argumentation by enumeration. Here are the reasons that I believe this. But anytime you lay out those reasons like that, it is always a false choice unless you tell me here are the only four things that are worth considering. But unless you tell me that, itemizing the advantages presents us with a false choice because I don't know what the disadvantages are. I don't know if there's anything else worth considering. All right, so four of these are going to tell me that gasoline may somehow be inferior to gasohol. Four of these are going to help strengthen the argument. And uh, does answer choice A help? Yeah, it makes, yeah. Yeah, cars. Gasoline's good. And notice that it brings up an additional point. Cars run less well on gasoline. They run better on gasohol. Sounds like gasohol is the answer. And notice we're going back to that idea of proof. You know, even if the cars run better on gasohol, that doesn't necessarily mean that we should be using more gasohol. Like, for example, what if we found out that gasohol costs 17 times as much as gasoline? Mm-hmm. It doesn't prove it, but it does make it a little more likely. All right, how about answer choice B? Uh, it's good. Since, it decreases yeah. the likelihood of an energy shortage. Yeah. We All right. We need less gasoline when you use gasohol, so using gasohol will make an energy shortage less likely. Sounds like gasohol is good. Maybe we should. And again, it doesn't prove it, but it does make it a little more likely. Um, let's, what about C? Cars burn on the average. So, well, C doesn't, I don't, it doesn't strengthen, right? Because we're talking about how it's maybe less efficient. Right. It, it doesn't clearly strengthen. And so what I'm doing is I'm reading along and I'm kind of, kind of just buzzing along. And I'm like, cars, answer choice A, cars run less well on gasoline. Yeah, that makes it better. Answer choice B, um, gasohol makes an energy shortage less likely. Yeah, that makes it better. Answer choice C, cars burn more gasohol per car. I'm not sure that makes it better. And that's mm -hmm. all I'm doing. I don't have to adjudicate the whole answer choice right then. Yeah. Um, all I have to say to myself is, I don't know that that helps. And then I'll move to answer choice D. Gasohol is cheaper yeah. and it costs less. Oh, that was something I just talked about. Yeah. And it addresses that concern. If gasohol is cheaper, if it costs less at the pump, that sounds like gasohol is a good deal. Maybe we should do it. It helps the argument. And answer choice E. Yeah, it's negative again towards gasoline. Yeah, is. and notice that it, 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 yeah, it's negative and specically about the way that the, the last sentence so it's clarifying was claiming that, that gasohol is better. Last sentence saying gasohol doesn't. Uh, add more CO2 than the plants can remove. Answer choice E says gasoline does. Mm -hmm. And it clear, as you said, it clarifies the, the relationship and puts it into kind of stark relief. And if so, if that's true, if E is true, then maybe we should go with gasohol. And so 
Answer choice C, I don't have to have an immediate strong feeling about what it does in order to very quickly know that it has to be the right answer. And to say that cars burn slightly more gasohol than they do gasoline probably slightly weakens the argument, but mm -hmm. only slightly. Uh, but it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't make the argument better. All right. So moving right along, question number four. Uh, which of the following most helps to resolve the apparent paradox described above? This question is a question that I refer to as a resolution question. They're going to present us with some puzzling set of facts, and we are going to find an answer that reconciles those facts. So whatever we've got from the right answer will somehow explain how the puzzlement happening in the passage uh, actually isn't really a puzzlement. Okay. And so here, what is it that we're trying, having read the passage, what is it that we're trying to explain? Well, we need to explain why they happen to be strong and agile, considering that most of the time they just sleep. Yeah, cats are lazy. All they do is sleep. The only thing they ever do is wake up and stretch, and yet they're strong and agile and have the kind of body that that all other animals envy. Um, and that does seem puzzling, right? Like it's weird that, and, and we cannot solve it by denying the facts of the case. The facts of the case stand. According to this, cats do spend much of their time sleeping. They do seem to awaken just long enough to stretch and to yawn before rolling back over and sleeping some more. So how is it that if all they do is sleep and yawn, they still somehow have this, you know, this beach body. So you're going to answer that without actually looking at the answers? No. Okay. Um, and in that way, this is kind of an exception for me because there is, I mean, at least a theoretical possibility of an infinity of different ways of explaining it. And so I can't expect that you would happen upon exactly the same way of answering that the, the test writers have happened upon. Um, I don't. Like... You know, with the first three questions, I did ask, you know, like, how could we how could we fix this? How could we answer this question? Because for the vast majority of the tests, these are questions that have a right answer. Here, there are potentially millions. But what I do know that I can take with me into answer choices is that whatever they, the right answer will say, what it has to do is actually explain both sides. So which answer choices are we looking at? Um, not A. Interesting. I wanted to talk about A. Um, it's, it's, uh, you're correct, not A. Um, I think, I guess what I wanted to talk about, I can see why you wouldn't, because we already just kind of discussed what our job was, so we know going into the answer choice that A doesn't explain how they got the musculature. But what A does do is help explain why they sleep so much. And I'm so, not concerned about that. Yeah, you're not concerned about it. <laughs> I mean, exactly. that's helpful, but I don't need um, it. And, and that's a really common bad answer to explain not the paradox, but to explain like one half of it. So A might tell me why they sleep so much, but it does nothing to explain the other side of it. Um, by the way, while we're on the subject, I also wanted to talk, because you may just jump right to the, directly to the right answer, but I want to make sure we talk about answer choice E also. Um, because E seems to do the same thing as, well, no, something different. E does something different that is also really typical. E makes it worse. 
like cats he says that cats require the strength and agility in order to be effective uh if that's true then why oh god why do they only sleep all the time and yet answer choices like e can be attractive to us because like they're so clearly dealing with the material mm. but in exactly the wrong way and i don't know if this answer was very attractive to anybody but you can see how its structure might possibly be in the future and so i wanted to point it out all right okay. Uh, so I think B kind of is maybe attractive because I do feel like it's just saying like you don't really need to have a reason why like maybe this is just the way that they're designed okay and I want to talk about that is and you've already you should have I think talked yourself out of it because you just said B says you don't have to ever B says that many other animals also do the same thing they also sleep a lot and yet are strong and agile it doesn't explain it, it doesn't though. explain shit I don't explain shit man I don't know why Right? Saying that it happens in other places says that it's not unique to cats, but it doesn't explain it. Mm -hmm. So I like D. And if D is true, it does. It explains things. They derive ample exercise. Not just exercise, note, but ample exercise from frequent stretching. If that's true, God, can you imagine how awesome it would be to be a cat? But also, if it's true, it explains why cats who sleep all day and then just wake up and stretch yet still have the musculature and the agility. And that's because they get ample exercise from frequent stretching. And that's question four. And that is where we will end this session. And next week, we will pick it back up and we will start rather cleverly, in my estimation, with question five and move on from there. Melissa, thank you so much for joining. Um, I think you're making this podcast way better. And it's been fun for me. It's been, I've been here with you, <laughs> learning. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, we'll see you next week.